0: But I warn you, we're going to be looking at lots of other places and only kind of skimming there a little later on. So uh, uh, you may want to have a pencil at the ready so that uh, you can jot down some of the verses that will turn up. There are pencils at the end of the rows. Uh, We thank God for his word. Let's thank him again and ask for his help. Uh, Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you that you've caused it to be written and caused it to be preserved and we thank you for the way that you've worked in people in the past to to put it into our language so that we can understand. Uh, But Father, even with all those things we know that we are weak and frail, we are uh, inclined to do our own thing rather than uh, necessarily doing what you want. Uh, And so we ask for your help. We ask that your spirit would work in each one of us as we hear your word now, uh, that we'd be reshaped to uh, love you and your ways more. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Well, we just prayed, but does prayer get us anywhere? As Andrew said, through January we've been doing a series on prayer. Uh, Every Sunday we gather and a large component of what we do is we pray. Uh, Implied in this series, uh, implied in every church meeting, implied in every act of prayer is that it's got some worth. But that's not everyone's assumption may not even be yours. Uh, In 1872, an intellectual, I love that term, covers all sorts of people, uh, an intellectual named Francis Galton caused a stir when he reported one of the results of his own tests on the effectiveness of prayer in the fortnightly review. So, every Sunday British churchgoers would pray for the Queen as simply part of the the prayer book service, the Book of Common Prayer service. Uh, He picked up on just one part of what they prayed, uh, the part that is about her longevity, her long life. And he went and he checked. Did royals live any longer than other groups in the population? statistics suggested they didn't. Had he then shown that prayer was a waste of time? That was his claim. I had lunch with a, a friend who no longer would call himself a Christian. For him, prayer was just a big scam. Uh, or at least claiming that God actually answered it was a scam. Uh, At the end of our kind of lunch, our conversation, I said, I'd still like to pray for you. Um, And he was fine to let me do that. He said, you know, if it makes you feel better, you go right ahead. Does prayer get us anywhere? Uh, Someone shared with Anna her father's experience. Uh, Her father was a a missionary in Pakistan. Uh, Every Saturday night he would stay up late Praying that people would come to church the following morning, and they hardly ever did. And it begs the question: Why didn't God grant this request? Good request. Yeah, and maybe you've just quietly wondered to yourself about the value of prayer. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with God refusing absurdly self-interested requests. You know, please Lord, I really like a Ferrari, and preferably not an old model. You know that. You know, you kind of go, yeah, of course God shouldn't grant that. But, but what about those seemingly good and godly prayers that don't get answered the way we would like or expect? Uh, we had a holiday club earlier this week. Uh, I prayed for kids to come and hear about Jesus. And they did, but not as many as I would have liked. You now, I prayed for the whole of our neighbourhood, the whole of Kirribilli to come to know Jesus, and as of yet they haven't. And you add into that the truth of God's sovereignty, so um, Ephesians 1, you can look it up later, it spells out how at the very beginning of creation God had already ordained its end. And for some of us, knowing that, it might be the case that we go, well, why pray? Uh, And if that's you, I want today to be a start of a conversation. As Andrew said, it's the final in our series on prayer. There's a model uh, for us to adopt Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication—they uh, spell out acts. So hopefully, you'll kind of leave January and you can remember those four things, and it'll, it'll help you in your prayer—a little memory hook. Um, this week, it's supplication, as we've already heard from the audience. Thank you, Naomi. It's about asking. Uh, we partly use the word supplication because it starts with S and it fits better with the mnemonics, like actor with an A at the end. Just you know, which A is which, and just gets confusing. But more than that. Supplication carries a a sense of asking reverently. Asking is a dependent, not an equal. Uh, So I can use the word ask and it says nothing about the relationship of the person making the request. So my, my boss asks me things. My wife asks me things. My friends ask me things. My children ask me things. One word is used but it doesn't capture how the relationship is sitting underneath that request. Now, I might make a supplication to the Premier or to a CEO, but they would never make a supplication to me. Supplication is the idea of bowing or kneeling in submission. It's it's, uh, Solomon, like Solomon, the the greatest king of his day. uh, In 1 Kings 8, he comes before the Lord's altar and this great king doesn't just ask. If you look up in 1 Kings 8, the word uses supplication. He makes supplication. He makes humble requests because he knows there's someone greater than him he's going to. Yeah, and so as we're exploring this morning the value of making requests, we, we need to remember how we make those requests, the manner of it. Yeah, why, why pray? Why make supplications? No, three main point three main points. God is powerful, God is good, and God listens to his people. The assumption behind every prayer any supplication is that he is powerful and good. Uh, any prayer that has ever gone up has assumed or at least hoped that about God. Uh, so my children come to me because they know that I have power over what they do and they know as well that even though I've got lots of faults, um, I'm keen to do them good. Uh, there's no point making the request to God if he doesn't have the power to act. And there's no reason to make those requests if he wasn't inclined to actually do what's good for us. And that assumption that we all have when we pray is made explicit in the Bible. God is sovereign. He is in control. So, um, the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, not, not an Israelite, not part of God's people, the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, in Daniel 4.34, said, Then I praised the Most High. I honoured and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is in eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? The Lord is a real king, not just a name king. He's a real king and he controls all. Lamentations 3.38 talks about good and calamity. Both come from his hand. Uh, even the tiniest detail of life, insignificant birds that kind of drop out of the sky are dead. Matthew ten twenty nine doesn't happen apart from His will. Uh, particularly if you were here when we looked at the door in God in prayer, we picked up that theme. But but God is also good. Uh, Psalm one hundred and six. There's that refrain: Praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Last week we spent some time exploring how God is good to us in creation and in salvation. Now, and every every supplication we make underlines that you and I understand that about God. And so we can actually pray big requests. So the bigger we assume God's power is, the greater we assume his goodness is, the bigger our requests can be. So last week I said that the goodness of God in creation means that there is nothing too trivial to thank God for. But because of his sovereign goodness, it also means there is nothing too big that you can't make a supplication about. There's nothing beyond him. A story is told about Alexander the Great. One of his generals made a request of an outrageous amount of money so that he could go off and get married. Uh, It was obscene, it was inappropriate, the amount he asked for. Alexander's treasurer told him as much. You know, this guy is asking ten times more what anyone else has asked for the same thing. No one else would dare ask this offensive amount. Uh, Alexander's response was uh, unusual. Uh, Rather than being annoyed, he was flattered. He said, he does me great honour to ask so much. He's paying me a compliment because he believes I am both rich and generous. God rich? Is God generous? Then make big supplications. Naomi reminded us of what Jesus, when she spoke to the kids, uh, of what Jesus taught in Luke 18. Keep praying. Don't give up. Pray big. Uh, We're part of the the Sydney Anglican Diocese. Uh, For the last five years, it's had a mission. Uh, The the part of it has received a bit of popular press, even if it doesn't necessarily get talked a lot about here, Uh, in the Sydney Morning Herald it gets talked about, uh, the bit the media picked up on was that uh, there's a goal for 10% of Sydney's population to be in Bible-believing churches, not necessarily Anglican, but Bible-believing churches uh, within 10 years. Uh, It's got lots of criticism from all sorts of quarters, uh, being criticised for being too numbers-focused. But some have criticised it for aiming too low. Now, why not 40%, why not 60%? Uh, now, the mission prayer that they encourage you to, to pray through, it's a good good prayer, uh, helpful to pray through. It, it wisely avoids mentioning numbers. But the opportunity is there for us to ask big things of a good and powerful God. But the question lingers, doesn't it? Is it worthwhile? You know, God might be good, he might be powerful, but he'd be, he'd be those things irrelevant of me, apart from me. Yeah, prayer's value depends on how much does God actually involve me in his work. Does he do it at all? Does he listen to me? Yes, because of relationship. So, Scripture's clear. God invites people like you and me, imperfect people, outsiders, you know, natural enemies. He invites us into, into relationship with him and intimate relationship. Uh, the intimacy of family life is how Romans eight talks about it. Uh, so eight fifteen, uh, chapter eight is great. Let me tell you about verse fifteen. For we did not, re- for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And the logic of that intimate relationship is played out in Romans 8 and he speaks. He eventually gets on to talk about prayer. So, by verse 26 of chapter 8, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Because yeah, we have God's, God's Spirit, we are God's children and we have the Spirit interceding on our behalf. Um, Hebrews 4 talks about how, how Jesus is there in the throne room of heaven as a high priest, a mediator, standing between uh, us and the Father. And so in times of trouble, we can come and approach the throne of grace knowing that he represents us and we are bound with him. So that the Father, the Son and the Spirit work in us in such a way that, so that when we who are Christian pray, we are, we are entering their conversation. the Spirit and the Son are there speaking on our behalf. Um, Supplication is is us actually joining in what God is doing. Joining the Godhead and finding we're actually accepted. A five-year-old boy walked through the White House, uh, went through door after door, security guards just stepped aside, uh, right into the Oval Office. Uh, And then this boy climbed up onto the President's lap because he wanted to speak to him. Uh, the boy was John F. Kennedy, Jr. and he could go there because of intimate relationship. And he was welcomed and he was heard. Now, I suspect Martha and Sasha Obama will do the same. And by Christ and by the Spirit, we do exactly that in the throne room of heaven. And we are heard. Because God actually respects relationships. Uh, just like the true son Jesus was heard. Uh, Hebrews 5, 7 talks about during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Uh, Interestingly, he he still goes to his death. He was heard. I'll leave that lingering. But he was heard because he was a faithful son. Over and over again, the Bible says God listens to his people. So King Hezekiah, the Assyrians are there on the doorstep ready to wipe them out. He, he prays and he's heard in 2 Kings 19. Uh, God heard Solomon in 2 Chronicles 7 when he set up the temple, dedicated it and God even more said, I promise to hear any of my people who turn from their sin and come back to me. Because there's a principle. God listens to those in relationship with him. In John 9.31, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his work. James 5 talks about how Elijah's prayer that brought uh, drought first then rain were heard as an example of a righteous man's prayer as being powerful and effective. Um, important to hear is not a sinless man, not a perfect woman, but one in right relationship. That's what righteousness. is. People out of relationship with God can't expect to be heard. Psalm 66 I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord wouldn't have listened. But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Now God might choose to answer an unbeliever's request, but there's no guarantee because they haven't got the basis of relationship. At the moment the World Vision website currently has uh, 1,272 children looking for sponsorship. Uh, the picture of the boy they have on the front is a, uh, of the, their website is a little boy named Ankit, a uh, five-year-old boy uh, in India. Uh, he's got great needs just for the basics, things that you know, we take for granted. You or I might choose to listen to him or the other 1,271 children. But because we've got no intimate relationship with him, we can also choose not to answer. But when my children come to me and say, I want breakfast, uh, I'm going to give them exactly what they want for breakfast, but I have to do something. You know, I am bound to respond because I'm in a relationship. God doesn't listen to unbelievers. Well, he might, but he's not bound to. There's no guarantee when we make supplications, we are heard. We're actually involved in God's activity when we pray. God's sovereignty doesn't preclude my involvement, it doesn't exclude it, it actually includes it. In the same way that Jesus is completely man and completely God, so God is completely sovereign and we are responsibly involved in his work case in point, I told you, keep Exodus 32 open. We're not going to spend much time there at all. Uh, but that's the that's the story, one story to hang on to to see the value of prayer. Uh, it's a surprising story. Um, it's not the surprising bit isn't that you know Israel were just rescued and they go up cavorting with foreign gods straight away. That bit's not surprising. It's not really surprising either that God's righteous anger burns against those stiff-necked people, uh, and offers you know Moses, I'll start again with you. But there's an incredible moment where where Moses stands alone in the breach as a mediator between God and his people. So, 32 verse 11. But Moses sought the favour of the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you've brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains, wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent. Do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac and Israel to whom you swore by your own self I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I will give your descendants all this land I promised them. It will be their inheritance forever. And then the Lord relented and he did not bring on his people the disaster he What a moment. Yeah, Amen is defending a guilty people before a righteous and perfect God and he wins a reprieve for them. Uh, it should set off our bells, you know, there's a shadow going on here of a greater man who was to come, a greater work that Jesus would do standing, representing guilty people before a perfect, righteous God. Uh, but for the purpose of, of supplication, for prayer, it says something profound. And first it says God really does listen, it's genuine listening. Like like a parent who wants their you know growing child if they move to kind of teenage years and so on to actually reason with them, God God's doing the same. Moses makes a humble request; God relents. Now God's character isn't changed here, but He's big enough to rule in 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 such a complete way that He can take Moses' requests on board and change the course of the, His action. He's not erratic or whimsical or any of those things, but but he's not an immovable stone idol. He's not a brick wall. You know, his power, his majesty, his his glory is so great that he can actually give our requests a place in his will. And, and it's not just occasionally, but essentially, in who God is, he actually listens to the the prayers of his own. Not possibly, not not you know, on an extraordinary circumstance, but always. And so, go ahead. Ask your heavenly Father who genuinely hears and gives good gifts. The second thing to just pick up quickly from Exodus 32 is that we make requests within relationship. Just like God listens on the basis of relationship, we make requests on the basis of relationship. Did, did you notice, as you, you kind of read through it again, the reasons Moses gives for God to change his mind? He grounds it in the, the character and the purpose and, and even the reputation of the Lord that he served. Now God respects real relationships and, and in the same way when we make requests we honour it as well. Now that's the model in Colossians 1 and all of Paul's prayers. You know He makes requests that respect relationship. You know, yeah, ask outrageously of God but, but, but don't ask in an absurd way of self-interest because that wouldn't respect relationship with him or others. And we make our request knowing what God has already told us about himself, his plans from beginning to the very end, for the good of humanity in his name. It's a principle that in, in Matthew eighteen nineteen, 19, it's, it's underlying there. Um, Jesus says, again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For when two or three come together in my name, I'm there with them. Outrageous supplications are made and heard within loving, united relationships with God and with other people. does prayer get us anywhere definitely he's powerful and good genuinely he is but but I think you've still got questions why don't the royals live longer why didn't that church in Pakistan get filled why isn't our church packed to the rafters I mean it's you know it's cozily full but we could squeeze a lot more people in let me give you some fuel for conversation in part we failed to ask now jesus saw harassed and helpless people who didn't know the truth of god's ways so in compassion he said to his followers you know you ask god to raise up more workers for the harvest in matthew 9 now it's not that god's hands are tied until we pray god god acted to save us even before we saw a need for us to be saved but because he genuinely incorporates us in his work, we need to recognise we have a role to play. We need to ask. More fuel. Uh, in part, we don't, we can't know and we don't know what the good answer for our prayers is. So, God makes a promise in Romans eight 28 and 9. That's Romans 8, good chapter. Um, God's working for the good of his people in everything and what's their good? To make them more like Jesus? we have a transient church people come and go we live in a transient suburb I've prayed for people to be able to stay in this area so that they can keep in fellowship with us sometimes they've stayed and sometimes they've gone I can only guess what's going to be good for them to grow to be more like Christ but God knows in part as well I think we struggle to see how God is glorified in rebellion and disorder Certainly this is the one I struggle with most. Why is it that God doesn't save all? In Romans 9, Paul raises a rhetorical question of God being glorified even in the lives of unrepentant people. That a God actually hardens some people whose hearts are already hard, he hardens them more, whereas others he chooses to soften and bring back to him because both can achieve his goals in creation. And in part, I suspect we we focus on the negative rather than the positive. Now, I'm, I'm more inclined to recall the, the prayers that haven't been answered the way I want than when I have. And I have had them answered that way. And so I, I think about the 60 or so kids in Curability who didn't come to our holiday club last week. Uh, there aren't that many kids in our area. Rather than the, the 10 or so non-church kids who did come. This might just be the start of a conversation that we have with each other. I hope one conversation that starts is how God has answered your prayers. You know, I want to over morning tea today before you head off, share with people times where God has answered your requests. But the bigger conversation I hope is that, it's, that the hope starts is between you and God. That prayer is worthwhile, making supplications is worthwhile and we should do it more and more to a God who really listens. Let's pray. Lord and Father, we thank you. when we praise you for your character. We praise you that you're powerful. We praise you that you're good. And we thank you that uh, through Christ and through the Spirit, we can have an intimate relationship with you. And we ask that you would fill us with uh, such a delight in that that we would take advantage of it that we would keep coming before you and making big requests of you and calling on your riches and your generosity to be poured out. Uh, And, Father, help us uh, when we struggle uh, to see the value of prayer. Help us to keep seeing how you do listen and how you are good and how you are powerful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.